This episode of the Hatmakers podcast is brought to you by Hatblocks Australia, makers of fine timber hat blocks and hat making tools. Welcome to the Tea Party, the Hatmakers podcast where we connect with hatters from around the world. Talk hats and hat making to build the community and share tips and tricks to take your hat making to the next level. So sit back, pour yourself a brew and settle in because here comes the show. this episode of the Hatmakers podcast, we're chatting with Jesse Lloyd from the Grey Collective. Based in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Jesse has been making hats for over six years. A creative by nature, Jesse is a self-confessed jack-of-all-trades who not only makes hats, but also does her own leatherwork, makes her own sweatbands, and is a silversmith of beautiful hat pendants. In this episode, we talk about how she got into the craft, what it's like running a hat store and hosting her hat making workshops, as well as the charity work that she holds close to her heart. It was a great chat with Jesse, so keep listening for this episode of the Hatmakers Podcast. Hello, Jesse. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming along. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, me too. I've been a huge fan of your work for many years and um, just watching thanks. you continue to evolve and grow and create the beautiful things that you do. Um, can you tell everyone who you are and where you're from, please? I am Jesse Lloyd. I am the hat maker with uh, Gray Collective. Um, I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm a desert kid. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I've been making hats for, oh my gosh, I don't know how many years now. 2018. Almost six. <laughs> wow. So quick. So, it does. But I still feel like I'm like a baby hatter. Like, I feel like I'm still just starting. <laughs> <laughs> really? I, we look at your work and everyone that I talk to is just uh, dumbfounded by the creativity that you have and, and all these skills that you've got. Because you, you not only make hats, you kind of do all the, you make sweatbands, you do leather work, you do silversmithing. Yeah, I'm kind of a, a jack of all trades. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> I, uh, um, I like just have like a touch of ADHD, so <laughs> gotta like focus it all on something. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you get started making hats? What inspired you to start, and how did you begin your journey? So, it was actually my late husband. Um, for everyone who like has been following me for my whole career um, knows that my husband had brain cancer. Um, but if you don't, here's the story. Um, he had a huge scar on the side of his head um, from his first tumor removal. And he was looking all over for a hat to cover it because he only had like beanies and snapbacks and he just wanted like a nice hat to wear. Um, and the man was like, as extra as he could be. Like <laughs> all of the hats he wanted for like $2,000. And I was like, excuse me, sir. Like, <laughs> We're not getting you a $2,000 hat. Um, but uh, I was a seamstress at the time and he was like, well, just make me a hat then. And I was like, 
is that a thing? Can you just make a hat? <laughs> like, is that like, <laughs> people still do that? And then, um, yeah, I just went down that rabbit hole. Like I, I feel like I, you were one of the first people that I found, um, via Instagram. Um, wow. and, uh, I was like, wow, yeah, people are doing this. Like, this is a thing. And I kind of, uh, like pieced things together and, um, got all the wrong materials, like got all the wrong tools <laughs> and uh, made him a not great hat, <laughs> but he loved it and he wore it. And I was like, you can't tell people I made that. Like <laughs> I can so redeem myself. Um, and so I like just scavenged the internet on like how to make a good hat, like YouTube videos of people's like Instagram clips, just trying to like figure out the whole process. And I finally made them like an okay hat, um, which actually like I hang on my wall here in the shop as like my reminder, like this is my first like real hat. Um, and he wore it for years and the hat that I'm wearing actually um, is his as well. It was like the better hat that I made him. <laughs> wow. You guys have the same head size? No. So this one's actually too big on me. I just like put some padding in the front and the back. Um, and no one can tell, but it's if there's like a huge gust of wind, I'm always like. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm a hat maker who doesn't wear a hat that fits. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was your husband's name? His name was Tristan. Tristan. And um, what was the first hat that you made for him? Um, oh gosh. So the very first one where it was like, I got the cheapest, like terrible wool hat blank off of Etsy. Um, it was, I tried to make him like a gray cowboy hat <laughs> and I wish I still had that one. Um, cause it's bad. It's really bad. Um, here I'll grab the, the one that I actually, uh, like was like, this is okay now. Like this one's not wow. too shabby. Um, oh, wow. the, and that was the one of your, your first yeah. ones. <laughs> and That's so, great. and this one isn't even lined. Like I didn't know how to line a hat. <laughs> so he wore it with no liner. <laughs> I think that's how all of us started. No right. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> I don't know inside of a hat. Like no one shows that. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you making your own liners? I am. So now um, it was actually during COVID when I started um, making my own sweatbands and my own liners um, because I couldn't like order any, like it was going to be so long. <laughs> and I was like, Dang, okay, I'm pretty sure I can make these. So I just was like, I'm just going to start doing everything in house um, just because as all hat makers know, like the, the lead times on things just got outrageous. Um, so yeah, I just was like, I'm going to, I'm just going to do it all. <laughs> just do it all yourself. Amazing. Yeah, which was definitely like a learning curve doing like learning how to make a sweatband on my own. Like I just took like a pre-made one. I was like, I think I can figure out like, how this is shaped and like just traced it at first <laughs> try to like yeah. put something together like macgyvered it and then i was like no i need to like really figure out how these are made and like the actual materials and like how to do a read and all of that so <laughs> wow and do you have a special machine to put the read the read tape no. into the leather? <laughs> so i probably still don't even do it like 
how they do it. <laughs> like I just put it all together by hand. Um, and then I use uh, double-sided leather tape and I keep it all together. And then I just run it through, I have just a home sewing machine and I'll just do them all on that. So <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely like a, an experience. <laughs> So, sounds like you know everything inside out. So when when you first made your hats, like what were the kind of tools and materials that, that you got? Oh, man. So like my first hat blocks I bought off Etsy, actually. And they were like um, like almost like puzzle blocks, but they were just the regular open crown. Uh, but you could like adjust the sizes and, and all of that. I don't think they were made for like type of hats that I make. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to, these look kind of like what I need. Right. Um, and so I got those, I had three hat blocks the first two years I was making hats. Um, so that was interesting. So when I would get like an order for a size that I didn't have, I would actually wrap my hat blocks in like saddle leather to bulk them out until they were the right size and then just wrap them in plastic wrap. <laughs> Like I was just like making things up as I go. I was like, I don't know what I need. Um, I had one steamer, like I started with a clothing steamer and quickly realized that I was going to have to be refilling like every 10 minutes. So finally just like bit the bullet, got the Jiffy steamer. Um, and then what else? I didn't really have anything else. I had like a really old iron. <laughs> like it wasn't anything fancy like what I have now. Um and like a spray bottle. <laughs> and I used I still to this day like to to flatten my brims and everything. Like I don't have like all the really cool um like flanges and, and everything. Like I still use bricks. I still use bean bags. Like <laughs> I'm still very bare boned. Um, so yeah I started with with three blocks some super basic tools. I actually like for my pusher downer, I just got like a piece of wood that I had <laughs> and, just, and just used that. Um, trying to think, I don't think I had any other tools the first couple of years. It's pretty amazing what you can do with um, a very small amount of equipment. Yes. That's what I tell everyone who like asks me like, so like, what do I need to get started? Like, should I invest like 20 grand up front? I'm like, like, I mean, dang, if you've got 20 grand to invest, like, go for it. But I had like $500 yeah. <laughs> when I first started. Like, I was not trying to, like, take out loans or do anything to, to get started. I was just slowly building. And as I made a sale, I would buy a new tool. Um, and that's how I built out, like, my blocks. It took me, like, those two years to, mm -hmm. to get more blocks. So... Yeah, I was, I was the same. I think I was watching a lot of Grizz and uh, mm -hmm. he was yes. kind of inspiring with what you could do with not, not very much, you know? Yep. Yeah, I think he was probably one of the first like YouTubers that I really like was like, okay, I'm just going to binge all of his content and like just really figure out how to how to do it. And at the time I, I was living in the mountains too. Um, mm -hmm. And so I felt a little like connection to him. I'm like, yeah, like I'm a, I'm a little redneck. I'm a little... <laughs> I could do it this way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's a little bit of that in all of us, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so 
after about two years, you kind of filled out your collection and and your like materials and tools and stuff. Like, um, did you? Are you? You're obviously you've got a shop now and you're full time. How was that transition for you from going from like a hobby to making it like a career? So I, I honestly like I feel like once I got, I've only been in my shop, um, for almost two years now. So. I feel like that was really the time that it felt like it was a career. Um, like obviously before that I, I was doing it full time, but it was different since it was out of my garage. Um, like when I started, I was like in a little tiny corner of my bedroom and then I quickly outgrew that space and then took over like our dining room. And then that obviously like, we just couldn't live with <laughs> with no dining room. You know, I've got kids, so <laughs> it's like they need the, they need a table. Um, and so then, when after my husband passed away, uh, is really where it was like, okay, like this is like my you're either gonna do this or you're not. Um, because doing it, even though I was full time, having that second income, like a, a two income home, is totally different than doing this on a single income home. Um, So it was actually before he passed that I reached out to, um, oh, Christy with Sing Hat Company. Um, Because I I knew that she was also at the time um, a single mom. And I was like, I, I like, I need to know, like, is this sustainable? Like, do you make a living off of this? Like, do you support your children doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, and she was so encouraging and she was like, yeah, like I, I do, like, it's hard. Like it's, it's no joke. Like you're, you're going to hustle. You're going to work your ass off. Um, but, but you can do it if you want it. And that was, I think kind of my, like, let's make it work moment. Um, mm-hmm. Because we knew my husband was going to pass away. And I was like, I'm either going to stop doing this and go to like a traditional job um, that has like a guaranteed paycheck, or I'm going to go full on um, in the hats. And I, I made the decision to do that. And uh, that first year, I mean, I was very fortunate that when he passed, he passed January of 2020 mm-hmm. um, that, and like the, then the pandemic hit. Right. And so like everything kind of shut down And so it kind of gave me um, like leeway to not have to like go too hard. Um, So it was kind of that excuse of like, okay, everyone's kind of stepping back. Everyone's like on a pause. Um, I mean, and my pause was a lot longer than some people's. Like I, after he passed, I took a full year, like a solid year of no working. Like I didn't log into my Instagram um, and I thought that my business was just going to be done for when I finally like was to the point to be like, okay, I'm ready to work again. I'm ready to, to take on hats. Um, I was like, but I'm going to have to start from scratch. Like I, I haven't been active for a year. Like who's still going to be following me. And like, I logged in and I hadn't lost any followers. (laughs) So that was cool. I was like, okay, awesome. And, um, I think because my account was like so slow growing and like very organic, um, that a lot of people were following my story, um, not just my hats. So they were all still there and like rooting for me and, um, like ready to support me. Like I, when my husband passed, I had six custom hats that I was working on and I didn't finish any of them. And I was like 
mortified. I was like, I, I refunded everyone's deposits. And I was like, I'm just, I'm not going to finish these hats. Um, and then when I finally got back in, um, one of them reached out and it had been over a year. And he was like, yeah, I still would love to, to have a hat made by you. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> seriously? Like, I, I thought that in my mind, I thought all those people are going to be so upset. Like, no one's going to want a hat for me. Like, I, I, there was no follow through. Um, but everyone was so kind and understanding um, that it was kind of easier than I anticipated to get back in. Yeah. I don't know if that yeah. answered your question at all. I, went, I, I tend to go on tangents. Absolutely. No, I think um, like a, you're so open and so um, sharing in what you post and, and those things. Everyone is invested in your story. And I think um, every, everyone just wants to give you that love and support, especially for such an intense thing. Um, I'm also curious, like going through like that time in your life, it's quite an intense moment. How did you find the courage to like decide that hats is for you and, and to make that step into the unknown without having like a fallback plan? Gosh, it, I honestly, um, I think that if I hadn't made my first hat for my husband, I don't think that I would have had any need to like push for this. Um, mm -hmm. I think because he's so rooted in my business, like I still like, I tell people it sounds so cheesy, but like I feel him in every hat that I make. And I think that is a huge thing in like keeping me on this path. And whenever I like start to waver, have doubts, um, it definitely like keeps me on track. And it's like, okay, like you're not just doing this because you want to make cool hats, which is, I mean, I love making cool hats, but there, there's more to it. And um, I think that is really what, what like keeps me here in, in this. Um, and so a part of the business is that I donate um, a part of my proceeds to brain cancer research. And that has opened up so many, I don't know, like healing doors for me, I think. Because um, I have like this following um, online of people who were either brain cancer survivors or um, also caregivers who lost a loved one. And so that like gave me this community of people who knew what I was going through, but also um, being able to work with like cancer centers and all of that and giving me that um I guess just that, that sense of like, okay, I'm doing something. I'm, I'm helping in some kind of way through like an art that I love. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it, making hats is such a beautiful thing to, to share. And I think I was talking about it with Willie or Willie was talking about it with me. It's like the hat, you know, it's cool, but it's, it's really just a tool for something else, you know, something a little bit deeper that can help heal and transform. And Absolutely. Yeah, an opportunity to meet people and, and go deeper in some way, you know? Definitely. I will 100% agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> so you said that you've been in your shop for two years now and you're a mother of, is it four children? 
Yes. So I yes. have four kids. Um, three are biologically mine. And then I got a, a bonus daughter uh, through my husband. <laughs> <laughs> so she's not with me full time, um, but we, yeah, we still get to, to hang out. And... Wow. So yeah, that's a, that's a huge thing as well. Right. So like to have the responsibility of a shop, but also these little beings to, to raise yeah. and take care of. How, how do you balance all that out? I don't think that I do. Um, <laughs> like I'll be totally honest. And whenever anyone asks me like, how, yeah, how do you keep like family work balance? And I will totally say that when I'm giving my all to one, the other one is lacking. Um, I still haven't found that like healthy balance. I think I'm getting closer. Um, the first year in the shop, I was attached to like a, a traditional retail space. Um, mm -hmm. Like there was a vintage and plant shop connected to me. Um, so I tried to maintain like their business hours, which isn't like, like it's not great for a single mom. Um, also in like someone who's like creating, it's hard to, to get into that flow state when you just have like people coming in to casually browse all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so this, like my, when my kids started this school year, um, and also before that I was homeschooling. So it was like, wow. it was a lot. Um, and so they, they started at like an actual school this past year. Um, so when they started, I actually shifted from retail hours to now I'm by appointment only. Um, so that way I'm working when they're in school and when they're out of school, like I'm not. Um, mm -hmm. And I would say 75% of the time I stick to that. Um, which has been better because <laughs> I am a chronic like overscheduler. I like will just cram pack like anything that people ask me to do. I'm like, yeah, I could do that. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, I have no time. <laughs> um, so I think I'm getting better at finding the balance between family and work. Um, but luckily, like my kids are also very creative. So they're in the shop with me all the time. Um, I have a little wall in here that is my youth entrepreneurial wall. And so they like have their own stuff in here. Like they make jewelry and art. And um, one of my daughters is sourcing vintage. And <laughs> so wow. it's cool to, to have it all together. Um, and my middle daughter says that she wants to take over the hat business one day, but, but we'll see. Anytime I ask her if she wants to come make hats, she's like, oh, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've always thought it'd be great to have a whole bunch of kids that can uh, take over the business and uh, do, all the work, do all the hard stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean, you've got a little one that's going to eventually... Oh, yeah, I, I sit her down in the workshop all the time, make sure she's learning. Yeah. Right? She's just going to be ingrained in her. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So um, being by appointment only, does that mean that your shop is like it's there but it's kind of closed or do you allow people to walk in at all or so it's if i'm in here and i'm not like teaching a workshop um we're like taking private appointments then yeah. i have like a little sign that says like the hat maker is in um like come on in and then i'll like swap my sign to open yep. and i'm generally in here like tuesday to saturday um i'm in here from like nine to two so if i don't have any like workshops or appointments, I'll be open. And I do have like people just walk in, um, which is nice. Cause like I have a donut shop next door to me, which is 
not great for me. <laughs> um, I think I've gained like 15 pounds since opening this shop because they're delicious. Um, <laughs> but uh, they like the they their foot traffic still like flows over into my space, which is nice. Um, yeah. But yeah, since doing like starting so many workshops and everything, it's hard to maintain open hours because I never know like when people are going to walk in and people book them like in different days of the week. So I can't have like a set schedule of workshops and it's like too chaotic to have open hours. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. The workshops sound really interesting as well. Um, can you tell us how long you've been running those and, and what they consist of? Yeah. Um, so I started doing workshops back in 2019 and it was never like the intention with the workshops was never like to teach other people to be hat makers. Um, here in Albuquerque, we have like such a huge like creative community. And so you can take workshops in like anything here. Like we love an experience. Um, so we have like jewelry making classes, weaving classes, pottery classes. So it was just a very natural thing for me to start offering um, like hat making classes. And the first couple of years, it was all just people coming and they would come to a brewery and I'd be popped up there and we would be shaping and decorating. And it was like, come have a beer, come have a cocktail and, and like make a hat. Um, and they were so fun. But then during when COVID like shut everything down, um, I couldn't do those anymore, <laughs> you know, cause all the breweries are shut, you know, I couldn't just like have a pop-up somewhere. Um, so that's when I started offering the one-on-one -on -one classes. And I was like, no one's going to come and do like a private workshop during a pandemic. Like this, it's not going to be a thing, but I was like, okay, if you want to come make a hat in my garage, we can do it one-on-one. -on -one. If you want me to wear a mask, I'll wear a mask. Um, but I was like, I just got to figure out some way. Like I hadn't been making for a year. Albuquerque stayed shut down for like two solid years with COVID. Wow. So I was like, I just have to start working again. Um, and then the first person to schedule one was from out of state. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, you want to fly to Albuquerque? Like, I was like, it's just my garage. Like, I'm like, you want to come to my garage? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I, I do. <laughs> and uh, it got to the point where I was like hosting like one person a week from out of state. Um, wow. People were flying in and that stayed consistent until now. Um, people just flying in and you know in those ones we're making a hat like start to finish like you're gonna come in I'm gonna show you how to use the conformature um, we're gonna cut your band block on on the band saw um, where you're picking your felt you're pulling it like I'm walking you through step by step until you have a finished hat um, and again those were like when I first started off here and for me I'm like it's a cool experience like I didn't think anyone would come and want to like learn to be a hat maker for me because um, I'm like, I, who, who am I? <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, they've really um, become one of my favorite things about my business. Um, and I would say it's a pretty like 50, 50 split between people coming like for fun and now people who are also coming, who want to like start their own business. Um, and it was actually like two weeks ago, 
um, one of my customers, she made the comment. She's like, I'm so happy that I get to come and like do a class with a master hatter. And I like paused and I looked at her. I was like, are you talking about me? <laughs> like, I like, I, I don't know why I don't consider myself a master hatter. Like, I feel like I'm, um, every day I'm learning something new. Like, I feel like I definitely have not mastered this trade and I kind of hope that I don't like, I love, um, you know, just always feeling like I'm growing. And I think if I ever do get to a point where I'm like, I can't learn anything else, that I'll like be done. Because <laughs> um, I just, I don't want to ever be in anything where I'm not evolving. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's a pretty good attitude for a master hatter to have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess like maybe now I'll be like, I'll recognize when someone says like, you're a master hatter i won't just be like no yeah. I, i'm not <laughs> i'm like okay maybe maybe i'm like getting close <laughs> accept the comment i accept the compliment yeah no, it's nice yeah. yeah that humility is also a beautiful trait too you know <laughs> so how, how, yeah yeah how long um do your workshops go for so the the private ones um I, they're generally two days long. Um, and it's like a long two days, like you're in here, like five to eight hours each day. Um, but I just recently started having people like customize longer ones. Um, so like people who are like, yeah, I really want to like go off and, and start my own hat making business wherever I'm at. Um, and I want to make sure that like, I'm making all the mistakes with you next to me. So I want to make 10 hats with you. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, that's wild. Um, so just recently I did um, a five day workshop and she ended up making um, five hats and a silver project. Um, so it, I'm still just blown away when anyone wants to like come and learn something from me that isn't for just for fun. It's like they're, they're seriously um, considering taking this on um, as their own thing. And so like getting to, to spend those days with someone who's essentially a stranger, you know, you chat via online and you um, you're coordinating things and making plans, but like, it's a very intimate thing to like be one-on-one -on -one with someone for that long. And you're a lot of the time, my, my customers are like telling me like their hopes and their dreams for all of this, which is I'm, I'm always, I feel so privileged that I, they feel comfortable sharing all of that with me. Um, and so I think that might be one of my, my favorite things about workshops, but, but yeah, getting to spend like that duration of time doing something is always pretty incredible. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds amazing and such a valuable resource for like someone who wants to learn. Like, I think most yeah. of us, you know, had to try and scavenge information from here, there and everywhere and try and put it all together yourself to be able to stand side by side with someone who actually knows how it's done. Um, yeah, and that's why I like people ask me like, oh, like who taught you? I'm like, it was like so many people, I feel like. I mean, not personally, but just by me like watching videos and like, yeah, just trial and error. Um, I think for me was the best way to do it and I wouldn't have changed it. Um, but it is nice now being able to like facilitate um, a young hat maker who is 
just totally confused about a specific thing and is like, hey, like, can, can I come to you and you can teach me how to do that? And I'm like, absolutely, like, let's do it. Because um, I, I love nothing more than, than sharing this with people. Like, I think it's such a cool craft and I, like, you know, everyone's like, it's a dying art. Um, and so it's nice to see so many people having the interest in it. Um, but like also, I, I don't know. I just, it brings me so much joy just seeing people create. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's nothing to hide and only, um, only goodness to come when you, sh when you share the gifts that you've got. Yeah, absolutely. So, so tell me when you were learning how to do this, what were the, some of the biggest obstacles you had to overcome? Oh gosh. Um, well, first off, just finding like the right materials. Um, it took me so long to, to find myself. Um, like I tried so many things just like off of Etsy or like random places, random websites. And I just couldn't figure out like how to make a good hat. Um, and I think it was literally like I was listening to someone's clip on Instagram and mentioned like, oh, I source my felts out of Tennessee. And I was just like, okay. And I literally like went and Googled like hat companies in Tennessee and I called every single one of them and was just like, do you guys sell felts? Do you guys sell felts? Do you guys sell felts? <laughs> Until I finally came across Winchester. It took me months. Um, and back then, you know, it was like, you know, back when they would still send you their nice little like welcome package and here, try all these samples for free. <laughs> yeah. That was the um, best. Yeah. It was the best. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I don't know that we'll ever get back to that, but like, oh, what a treat. <laughs> um, but so yeah, just sourcing like the materials I think was my hardest mm. uh, thing to overcome. Um, but then also, um, like through the process of like just trying to figure out where to get everything, I did like reach out to um, like in New Mexico, we actually have like quite a few uh, hat makers. Mm -hmm. uh, most of them are like old school, like cowboy, like they're in the, the rodeos kind of deal. Um, and they did not take me seriously at all. They were just like lots of like, honey, darling, um, <laughs> you don't want to do this. Um, it'd be a waste of my time to even, to even try to tell you what to do. Like, you're not going to, this isn't for you. Like just not even really listening to me. They were just like, look, look at this little five, two girl who thinks she's going to become a hat maker, <laughs> you know? And, and it, I just encountered a lot of, um, people not taking me seriously. And that was super like discouraging at first. Like I was like, gosh, should I be doing this? Like, is this like, it didn't feel like, like a trade that was like welcoming to me. And I was like, darn, like, is this, is this going to be like how it is? And, and luckily, like I ended up meeting so many amazing hat makers who are so kind and so generous with their time and, and their abilities and open to sharing things. Um, but that just wasn't like what I encountered like the first year. Um, and, uh, gosh, then what else? Yeah. First starting, it's like finding felts, finding tools or anyone to give you any kind of instruction. <laughs> um, 
And then sizing. Oh my gosh, I was terrible at sizing my hats. Like when I first started, like I didn't know you had to size up. I didn't know. Like I'm like, no, this is. I made it on that hat block. Shouldn't it be that size? Yeah. Why is this not Um, working? Yeah. And, uh, and then the first time I learned so quickly that like, I do not do like surprise hats anymore mm-hmm. because <laughs> I had my, it was like my fifth, like not family or friends person who, who wanted a hat and she was buying it for her dad. And it was going to be a surprise for like his 60th birthday. It was like a big deal. And I was so excited. And she's like, this is his hat size. Um, and I'm like, are you sure? And she's like, absolutely. This is definitely his hat size. And his hat, his head was like three sizes smaller. <laughs> so he was just swimming in this hat. Um, and then he was pissed because she spent th- that amount of money <laughs> on a hat that didn't fit him. And I'm like, gift cards. Everyone do a gift card. <laughs> Get the whole experience. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was awful. And I was like, how did this happen? Like, why didn't I think of like all these different things that I should have just been like, yeah, like I need to measure him. No one knows how to measure their head. So <laughs> yeah. such a sinking feeling when the hat's too big or too small. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Still to this day, I like, my, I tell my sisters all the time. I'm like, I don't know why. Cause I haven't had like a major fit issue since like the beginning. It's been a really long time. But every time I deliver a hat, I am like a little nervous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, oh gosh, what if it doesn't fit? And like my sister's always like, it always fits. Like, why are you always so anxious? I'm like, I don't know. Is that one experience that just really, <laughs> it's deep in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you do mostly uh, in-person um, sales or do you do a lot over the internet as well? So it's actually mostly in-person. Um so online, it's so funny. Like I've had my website since 2018. Like I, I put the website up pretty quickly. Um, I just made my first hat sale on my oh, website wow. like two weeks ago. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so like my ready to wear hats, they sell in person. Like when I do shows, um, and then people do reach out for custom work for my website. So it's just a lot of like, well, they'll email me and then we'll start the, the custom process and I'll ship them a, a measuring kit. Um, but people don't buy the ready to wear on my site. And I just still like haven't figured out online sales, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, so it's mostly um, in person. They're coming in and getting fitted for a custom or I'm at one of my, like I do a lot of markets. Well, not so much anymore since I've been in the shop, but I used to do a ton of markets around New Mexico. Um, and I just did one, uh, uh, like a week and a half ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the ready to wear do really well in person, but online it's kind of like, (laughs) everyone wants that personal touch. Yeah. Perhaps. And even when I, when I moved into my shop, I really thought like, my whole business was going to shift to ready to wear. Mm-hmm. I was like, I have a shop. Like people are just going to come in and buy hats. Right. Like that's how it works. Um, like it was the total opposite. Like it, all of the hats in here, like it's like a showroom, like people will come in and they'll be like, Oh, I want the crown of that hat. And I want the brim of that hat and the color of that hat. <laughs> <laughs> and so it actually like 
almost tripled my custom orders having all the ready to wear in here. And I was like, oh, that's not what I anticipated. <laughs> it's like the blessing and the curse of having so many options. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I part of me is like, can you just buy what I made? Yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> please just buy these. They're here. <laughs> So you do custom fittings for everybody. So like you send a conformatory out to, mm -hmm. to all your customers. So you don't really have any problems with fittings anymore. Is that right? Yeah. Since I switched to conformature, I like, it really helped a lot. And that was actually, um, oh my gosh, I'm spacing his name. The wise hatter, Brandon. Yeah, Brandon. Um, yeah. Like my, after I had like the huge debacle of that hat not fitting, mm -hmm. um, I had started following him and I saw he had his conformature um, and I reached out over Instagram. I was just like, Hey, like, can you just give me any kind of information on how to make my hats fit? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, so he, um, I don't know if he was actually selling his conformatures at the time yet. Like mm -hmm. he was posting about them. Um, but I was like, can I pay you to make me one? And he was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then we like hopped on a couple calls and he like really walked me through like how to use it and like how he gets a really good uh, fit for his customers. And we like kind of shot the shit for a little bit about like how to make it so that we could send people kits and, and all of that. Um, mm -hmm. Cause at the time it was really expensive to make those. Like, I think they're like 200 bucks now or something, but yeah. like, I think I paid like, like eight hundred dollars. <laughs> I was like, I'm not gonna send this in the mail to somebody. Like, yeah, like that's nuts. But now it's like I have three now. But I like took his and like rendered my own version in mm -hmm. um, in Illustrator and kind of made my own that I could like cut and and send. Um, that way. I don't have to send my $800 one. <laughs> I keep that one. I bought one from him in the beginning too, and I barely ever used it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, I felt so accomplished once I had it, you know. I was like, oh, I'm right? I've got a conformity. I've been like my first big purchase. Like I was like, oh gosh, am I really going to pay this much for a tool? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so you're cutting out band blocks for every hat? I am. Yep. Wow. So you're doing a whole bunch of different things in your shop. So <laughs> yes. hats, sweatbands, cutting out band blocks, mate, uh, doing your leather work and doing some silversmithing. Um, yeah. How I'm... on earth do you do all these things? And did you teach yourself? Did you learn? How did you learn all these things? So I, um, like, I've been a maker my whole life. I like have always like I was the weird artsy kid in school like I loved to sew from a very young age um and so I was always making um so I like over my lifetime kind of like built like the collection of tools I have now for everything is like over my entire life you know um like I started like tooling leather and like playing around with like making keychains and little wallets when I was like a little kid um and then when I got married, my husband was very similar. He was like a, a maker at his core too. So I also like, he was getting into um, like blacksmithing and like making knives. Mm -hmm. 
And so I have like a forge. <laughs> I don't know how to use any of it, but I would love to learn someday. Um, so it's like, I still have other things I'm like wanting to learn. Um, but yeah, it was like all just, just learning over a lifetime of just doing it. Um, the only thing that I really like took, like kind of took classes in was the silver work um, because I had bought, I ran, I, it was so lucky. I went to an estate sale and this woman was getting rid of her entire silversmithing like workshop. Like it was everything plus some, plus like a ton of silver and stones. And I had no idea like what any of it was. And she was like, 800 bucks, take it. And I was like, what? And so I like acquired all of this, this silver making stuff and I had no idea what anything was. I'm like, I'm pretty sure like I'm supposed to like light things on fire, but like, I really don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, being in Albuquerque with all of our amazing like workshop people, there's a jeweler here in town that she runs um, like project-based workshops where you can come and make a ring or come and make mm -hmm. a set of earrings. But in all of her projects, it's like you learn all the core skills um, of soldering and setting stones. So I did three classes with her. Um, so it was like three two-hour classes. Um, just to give me like enough confidence of like, okay, I know like that I'm supposed to use this tool for that and this tool for that. And then we'll just see. <laughs> um, I melted a lot of silver. <laughs> I, I ruined, I broke so many stones. I, <laughs> um, but then finally it was like, it, things just kind of clicked and, and fell into place with that. And I'm still like, not incredible with that. Like I would love to still like get better. Um, like I see your wife's work and I'm like, gosh, <laughs> like, like there's always just so much more room to, to grow in these arts. Right. Like yeah, you could just absolutely. Yeah. I saw, I was witness to the struggle of learning how to do all that. It's uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a, <laughs> bit of a mission for sure. A lot of yes. melting silver, a lot of breaking stones, cracking stones when you're trying to set them a lot of tears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, like my workspace, um, I mean, I'm a messy worker. So it's usually like, I kind of like tidied up my background a little bit, but like I show in my stories a lot, like how chaotic it can, it can be back here. And it's like just a little of everything, which for me, like I love. And most people, they come in and they're like, this is so cool to see. And, but you do get a few people who are like, this is a lot. <laughs> like, you, need to, like, you should probably like tone this down a little. <laughs> Getting nervous just walking in there. Yeah. Wanting to put everything <laughs> back in its place. Right. Yeah. I think anyone who like has any kind of like OCD will, will hate my space. <laughs> like, <laughs> Cause I'm not like my nickname in my family is messy Jesse. <laughs> it holds true in every aspect of my life. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, my workshop looks like a pigsty at times. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's pretty healing just to clean it all up, you know. It's like ah, uh, that mental space back. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm. yeah, I'll usually like do a deep clean, like like probably a really deep clean once a month. But I'll try to do like a reset at least once a week so that it doesn't get too crazy. But but even that, I'm like, gosh, like I do it and it feels so great, and then I'll be back to how I have it in like two days. <laughs> 30 seconds for me. Yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> like, actually all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Tasmanian devils just run, run through my workshop yeah. again. 
Um, That's what my kids will sometimes come in and be like, mom, like you're, you just got onto me about my room, like get it together. (laughs) (laughs) So you were saying that you were working with Winchester. Are you still using them? I do, but not as much just because it's been so hard. Like I just got a box um, last month from, Mm -hmm. gosh, I think I ordered it in like, 2022 maybe it was like I forgot about the order it'd been so long um and so uh I wish I could use them for every hat like they are by far like my favorite felts to work with I mean I do really enjoy um some of the other uh, felt companies that I I've started working with but like I just feel like when I'm working with the Winchester just the feel of it is so different um, yeah. and, uh, yeah, I, so when my husband passed away, I kind of like got on this like two week thing of where I would like get drunk and like online shop <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, it, I, to my advantage now, but not so much to my advantage back then is like, I definitely wasn't sober and I called Winchester and was like, I want five of every color you have. Like whatever you have available, send it to me. Like I want five beaver felts and all the colors. <laughs> and, and then I got like two weeks later, got like this giant, like I think I got three giant boxes from them. Um, and I still have like some of them left because um, I like started hoarding them. I was like, okay, these are just for custom. Like I will not like just make ready to wear out of my Winchester felts. Um, but yeah, like at the time I was like, oh my God, what did I do? But now that there's like all the shortage, I'm like, yes, that was a really good move. <laughs> so, so what's the moral to the story there? Right. I'm like, I don't want to encourage people to like yeah. drink and shop, but <laughs> <laughs> it, it sometimes it works for you in the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are you, are you mostly using uh, Western weights or do you use some dress weight felts as well? I'm primarily in Western. Um, I make maybe like two dress weights a year, um, which is actually kind of unfortunate because I really enjoy making dress weight hats, um, but all of my customers want a Western weight, um, which all of my hats are Western weight, um, but I just recently did a dress weight hat. and like, gosh, these are so nice. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and are you... Um, using a lot of rabbit or beaver or, or the blends what, what's your favorite to work with so I really love just doing like pure beaver um, but since it's been harder to get um, I have in the past year moved more towards rabbit um, just because of the the price point um, so I only like will make my ready to wear with rabbit now um, just because I'm like I feel like I can't like chance making a ready to wear and not selling and it being like a beaver felt. I'm like, this is, <laughs> I need Too to make sure that it on the wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so all of my, like I have a few um, beaver hats that are on my wall right now. I think like three of them, um, but the rest are rabbit because I'm like, it's just too high of a price point for it to sit. Um, and then also some customers like with custom, I usually, um, just work in beaver or a, a beaver blend for custom work. But this past year I have had like a few customers who would prefer the price point of a rabbit. Um, 
just because, yeah, it's the world that we're in right now. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's so expensive. Um, and it's usually those, those are my customers that they're just getting a hat that they're going to like wear to dinner. Like it's not, they're not going to be doing anything in this hat. Like I actually have a customer who she doesn't even really wear her hats. She has four of my hats um, and they're all rabbit um, and they're just decorations on her wall. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, it, I would love for you to wear them, but. <laughs> well, they're a piece of art in their own right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, this is just like what I decorate my living room with. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what's your price point like for the different um, felt types? So I recently, um, over, I think maybe a year and a half ago, I raised my prices, which like, kind of like, ugh, <laughs> I hate raising prices, yeah. but as we all know, like all of our materials are insanely expensive. Yeah. So like I start my beaver, um, felt, so a pure beaver felt, um, mm -hmm. starts at 900, which I kind of like, um, Cause I'm not the most expensive, but I, you know, it's still, I'm still making money. Um, <laughs> and then, um, for a blend, I start at like 750 and then rabbits, I think on my website, I put it higher, but I think I'm still in the mindset. Like I still quote people like 550 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if I quote you it, like, I'm going to, I'm going to honor that. <laughs> so yeah, that's so, yeah I try to like keep all of my prices like attainable. Um, but that also means like, I don't have any like extra, like fancy extra stuff. Like I don't have cardboard boxes. Um, like I used all like recycled boxes and packing material. And because I'm like, I don't want to put the money that I could be putting into the felts, mm -hmm. um, into that kind of stuff. And like my customers are okay with it. <laughs> You um, have some add-on boxes that you can purchase, though, right? Are they like yes. a timber? They look beautiful. I'm not sure what they are. But they are. I love them. So there, I mm -hmm. um, actually got them. Like when I first started, um, I just jumped right into the, the wooden boxes uh, mm -hmm. because I loved the look. And when I was pricing cardboard boxes, they were more expensive than my wood boxes. Wow. Um, like that's not the case anymore. <laughs> like the price of wood is really expensive now. Um, but when I was first starting, like they were half the price of getting a cardboard box made. So I was like, of course I'm gonna go with, with the wood. They're beautiful. Um, they do the same thing. Like you could store your hat in it really well. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's now they're, they're more expensive. Um, and so I had to switch to like, this is an add-on because it used to be every hat came with a wooden box. Oh, okay. um, and like, yeah, in what, 2021, when the wood prices shot up, it was like, oh gosh, every time I would have to send a wooden box, I was like, oh, I didn't make any money on that. <laughs> a little tear rolls down your cheek. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so now they're an add-on and actually like all of my customers, are fine with that so far um because some of my customers are like yeah i actually don't need a box like so i don't really want it um so i'm like okay that's that's fine with me i'll keep it <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, they're great and so are you like um the other work that you do so for instance like the silversmithing and stuff like that they're add-ons as well yes yeah. So all of like my prices are like my base prices. Um, and then everything else is an add on. 
Um, so yeah, the, the silver work, um, usually I don't charge more for the leather work, um, because it, it's kind of, I don't know. I feel like it just goes with the hat. I don't know why <laughs> I've, I've had people tell me like, you need to charge for your leather work, but <laughs> I just kind of include that in there. Um, and I think because I've gotten like really fast at the leather work stuff that's, I'm like, it's just, it's not that much extra time. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit like that sometimes too. Sometimes I'm like, hmm, I should charge a little bit for this, but I feel like it's, you know, if it's a band, it feels like it's supposed to come with the hat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what's a, a custom fitting with you like? How do you run through your, um, your, well, not sales speech, but how do you do the fitting with a custom Right, I would say I don't have any sales speech. I might be the worst salesperson in the world to run a business that's based on sales. <laughs> but so when someone comes in uh, for fitting, um, I'll have them come to my shop now that I'm in this space. Um, I used to do them at like coffee shops and all of that. But now that I'm here, um, yeah, you'll come into the shop and I try to make it like an experience. Like you'll book your custom fitting and I'll shut the shop down. Like that way there's no interruptions. Um, like I have a little mini fridge full of drinks. And so it's like, I offer you, like I have beer and cocktails or just like kombucha and water. <laughs> All of that. So you can have whatever you'd like. And then we sit and I, um, I'll explain to them as I'm, measuring like what I'm doing. So like when I pull out the conformature, I'm like, and this is my conformature. <laughs> and then I, I measure them and they're, everyone's always so like wowed with that process. Right. Because it is yeah. like, you don't know what that is. You're like, holy cow, what do you put on that person's head? Um, so yeah, it's kind of, I try to make it like an exciting experience. Um, and I'll show them how like, I'm going to cut your head out of wood and like, we're going to really like, make this yours and then i let them come and like try on all the felts so they can pick their color um i stopped offering last year um where people could just pick from all the colors um mm -hmm. because i was like i i hated having those lead times of like i don't know when i'm gonna get your felt um like the anxiety of it was like too much for me so i just stopped that altogether. i was like this is what i have you can pick from that. <laughs> um, if I don't have your color, let me suggest this hat maker, this hat maker, this hat maker. They might have it. Um, but so far, everyone's super happy to to pick from what I have. And because I made that huge order with Winchester, <laughs> like I have a pretty good selection. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, most people, um, like I did run out of Sahara from all of my uh, Saharas from Winchester are gone, which was like, because yeah. <laughs> everyone wants that color. Um, and so I have like two naturals left. And <laughs> um, but yeah, so they'll, they'll pick their felt. And then I also pull out like all my leather samples. And like, if they're like, oh, and I want a custom pin, then I'll pull out all the stones and they get to pick their stone. And like, it's, I try to make it like as, like personal as as I can. Mm. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And do you have like a specific style or shape that you like or that you encourage people to wear or? So I, not so much that I encourage people to wear. I love a Gus. Like, <laughs> I think there's just something so cool about a person. Like I, 
had one and then someone bought it from me. Um, <laughs> like she saw it on my head and was like, that's a really cool hat. Like, where can I get it? I was like, this is the only one. Like I, I make them and she's like, can I buy this? <laughs> I was like, absolutely you can. So I, I want to make myself another gust because I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm even not cool enough to, to wear it, but I love it. <laughs> but with other people, um, I usually, because a lot of people will come in and they don't know like what they're going to look good in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're like, tell me like, should I do this shape or this shape? And so I'll try to be like, okay, well, like with the shape of your face, you should probably get something with like a pointed front or something a little taller, or a little shorter and just give suggestions. Um, but then also reminding them that like, there are no rules, like you, whatever you're comfortable in, like someone can tell you that, oh, you shouldn't wear a crown this tall or, oh, you have to have a bigger brim or a smaller brim or whatever that is. But if you're not comfortable in it, then you're not going to wear your hat. So like throw all the rules out the window and just like what feels good on you. And so when I, if my customer is here in town, um, I do a final fitting. So when their hat is done and like ready, they'll come into the shop and I'll do another, like shut down the shop for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll try their hat on and make sure that everything is to their liking. Um, and most of the time it is, and they're just like ready to go, but there's like, occasionally someone who's like oh can we actually lower the crown a little or can we cut just like a quarter of an inch off the brim um and you can, can you tell when you make water it. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll they feel so much better like just making those tiny adjustments they're like oh okay now it's good <laughs> yeah that's awesome and um what's your personal preference for brim width so I don't do, for me, like I have some larger room hats, but for the most part, I tend to stay in the three and three and a half inch. Um, cause I'm a klutz. <laughs> like I will run into walls and doors and people. <laughs> so like, you don't want to be walking around me when I'm in like my like five inch brim hat because I will take it out. <laughs> oh, classic. Yeah. Those, uh, those five inch brims are dangerous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how like would you, you can't even walk through a door. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Something got, got to go through sideways. Um, <laughs> how would you describe your style? So I like, I don't know that I really have like a name for my style. So I definitely draw a lot of my inspiration from New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm a really big like hiker and hunter and, so like, I love our landscapes here. Um, so I try to like infuse a little bit of like the desert into all of my hats, like no matter what style they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a while I was like, I'm like a desert hippie, like <laughs> kind of cowboy. I was like, I don't know if that really like nails it down either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely like, I feel like I have a softer style. Like when I look at my hats compared to other hat makers, I don't know if it, what it is, but I feel like my, my hats just seem like they look a little softer. Like my, my lines are a little more rounded or, um, so I don't got, really know what to call that. Got a real feminine, <laughs> uh, flow to them. Yeah. <laughs> a little softer. And like those on your website, there's that beautiful image of the hat on, on the rocks 
you know. The oh yeah. Down. Yeah, it's got those real beautiful. That's the one that was nine years old. <laughs> ah, the Gus. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, those really beautiful kind of pastely desert hues. You know. Yeah, I think it's. Um, yeah. yeah, really pretty, and it yeah it gives that soft feminine feel to it definitely. Yeah. And with that, it also like leads people to believe that like I only make women's hats, <laughs> which is like not totally true. It's actually I would say more I make more men's hats than I do women's hats, uh-huh. um, which everyone's always shocked by. They're like, "What?" But I only see women's hats. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know, but I made that for a man, <laughs> so. <laughs> And so it's just, I, yeah, I think I just do have a pretty heavy feminine touch. Um, but my male customers like it. So. No, they're beautiful. Um, you mentioned that you're a hunter. What kind of hunting do you have out there in New Mexico? Yeah. So I, my husband got me into hunting. He was like an avid hunter. Mm. Um, and so we've done like elk bear, um, antelope, turkey. Um, and those are all the ones that I've, I've done. I Mm -hmm. haven't like hunted other animals outside of those ones. Um, and so, but all like all my feathers in the shop are from turkeys that, that I hunted. Um, all like the, the snake bands that I make are from snakes that I've like killed and skinned. Um, so I, I try to really do like all my own work and everything. So do you tan those skins or those hides? Yeah. Wow. So with the, I didn't do like the bear or anything like that. That's a lot. Um, work, yeah. <laughs> but, but I have to like all the snakes I tan myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done like smaller animals that pe- people have brought me like, um, like raccoons and squirrels and um, stuff like that. And it's, for me, it's a fascinating process. And I don't know if it's just because like I've hunted for so many years or that I'm a mom and like have experienced so many gross things. That, like it doesn't like affect me at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, it's just a part of an animal. <laughs> like, yeah. And so I have so many people that are like, how do you do that? Like, how can you even like, <laughs> be around that process and I'm like I it doesn't bother me (laughs) yeah there's something primal about it too you know and doing things with your hands like that and and then that connection of bringing like those animals and taking their skins and putting them into the future on your hats you know yeah yeah and I'm a big proponent of like zero waste so like I would much rather like people who I do live in an area that's kind of split on like animals rights and and all of that. So there are people who don't like that. I like use animal byproducts for, for the things that I make. And so, um, yeah, I've had lots of debates on like, you know, whether it's good or not. Um, but for me, it's always like, there's like with my leather, there's always going to be like a meat industry. You're never going to get rid of the meat industry. Like I would rather use the hides instead of them going to landfill. And same with these animals, like we're hunting them. Like I don't want any part of them to go to waste because like that, even though it's an animal, that's a life. Like you, Mm -hmm. that's a life that was taken off this earth. And like, you need to pay your respects and you need to make sure that nothing is wasted. So like being able to, to use 
things and make it into something that's like beautiful um, and useful is is really nice. Yeah, I I agree. Um, you know, I used to be a vegan a long time ago, and uh, you know, but um, yeah, I think you know if you if you're not making hats out of rabbits or beavers, then you really only well you've got wool, but that's mm-hmm. not really sustainable either. The yeah. only other choice you have is plastic, you know, and uh, yeah. yeah, that's a, a lot. Any lot better? <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Yep. You know, yeah, it's a it's a tricky thing for a lot of people. I know that there's a lot of people that have reached out to me and and wanted alternatives, but yeah, it's it's amazing how you can have those uh, ideals, yet there's so many things in your life where you can't escape. You know, so yeah. in some way you have to uh i don't know be a little hypocritical or you have to accept it and then do it with a little bit more integrity and a bit more intention absolutely yeah i I agree with that 100 percent. yeah yeah so anyway i like it i think (laughs) i I love i love the leather and the and the snake skins yeah me too (laughs) (laughs) um have you had any really crazy custom requests I have actually, um, like I just, I actually, I usually don't post like too many of my like really over the top hats. Mm-hmm. Um, because while I think like they're really cool, like I always have that like internal battle with like, are you going to like this in two years? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, if you're going to pay this much for a hat, like I want you to love it for your whole life. <laughs> Not just like until the next trend comes along. Right. Um, but some people are like, I don't care. Like, I have the disposable income. Make me this $1,200 super trendy hat. Um, and I usually will not post those because I don't want to to make more. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be known for those. Um, but I, like, I did recently post one because I thought, like, wow, I actually think this is really cool. Um, I don't know if I'll ever do another hat like it, but I did like a Star Wars hat. Uh-huh. Um, and like, it's a very, like I shaped it. Like I, and I don't really know a whole lot about Star Wars. So like people don't come at me. Um, <laughs> um, but I like drew inspiration from the things that I did know about it. Like the small things I could remember from like seeing the movies when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. um, so like the shape of it is actually like, what's it called? Like, I think the death star, like, it's just that big round thing. <laughs> and it has like a little divot. Like I shaped the hat like that. And it was, I got like very controversial feedback. Like some people loved it. And some people were like, why would you do that? Why? <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'm standing behind this one. Like, sure. I, I hope he loves star Wars for the rest of his life. I hope he's not just like a bandwagon yeah. star Wars person, but but I hope he loves this hat for his whole life. And it is, it's a pretty cool, like art piece. Um, like I did a lot of like paint splatter and dyeing and, and I actually like painted a galaxy on the underbrim, um, wow. and like burnt a little, one of their little shippy things <laughs> on the bottom. And I put a Yoda quote inside and he loved it. So I felt like that was the goal. <laughs> yeah, I got the full package. Yeah, but but I don't know if I'll ever take on something like that again. Um, but yeah, I've done some pretty crazy hats. Yeah. 
And how do you, like, what do you think of like um, creating a little bit of controversy when you uh, post on your Instagram? Does that help your reach? It doesn't, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) At least not for me. I like, so I have not figured out the algorithm in the slightest. Like I have no idea what I'm doing online. Um, Like it's something is working (laughs) because I do have like, enough business to sustain me mm-hmm. um and to, like give me and my kids a comfortable life but I like I don't have a bunch of followers I don't my I think maybe like the top reach I ever get is like 120 people <laughs> yeah that's not too far off what I get either <laughs> yeah I'm like I don't I don't know and I like I follow more like fine artists mm-hmm. and like jewelers and sculptors and stuff like that um and I just always I'm like seeing them in their stories talking about how they even though like something went viral like it didn't translate to sales at all like that they they got 10,000 new followers but like none of them buy anything so like I don't I don't know I'm I feel like this year I've decided that I'm gonna not stress about like trying to get like figure out the algorithm and trying to get those likes and and all Mm -hmm. of that because like I'm at enough like consistency with like business that I feel like maybe I don't need it until I'm ready to grow. Yeah. Yeah. I I think the, um, the real world experiences and the real world connections and sales are way, way more important because the whole virtual world it's a real world, you know, like, and you can kind of forget, you can forget the other one if you're in it too much. Absolutely. I definitely fall down those like rabbit holes of like, you just like, you're trying to find one thing and then you're like, oh my gosh, it's been an hour. I've just been scrolling for an hour. (laughs) And, And I think the worst is like, I think last year I had a really bad spell of just getting caught up in that, like comparison, like, this hat maker has a hundred thousand followers. Like, why do I only have 6,000? Like, like what, what do I need to do? Like, how can I be better in this sense? And I'm like, that didn't serve me at all in the business. It actually like hurt me because when I was in that mindset, like I wasn't creating like the highest quality work. Like mm-hmm. I was losing sleep over it. Like trying to figure out like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to, gain followers and I'm like why why am I so stressed about this why is this such like a big part of my life right now like it's I shouldn't care like I and I have found over the years that when I do kind of let that go and I start mm-hmm. creating for myself that's when my business does the best like when I'm not trying to figure out like oh my gosh what's going to be the next trend like how do I get people to want to buy this and I just create like for the joy of creating, those are the things that always do the best. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the, the most liberating. And I think that's um, when you put out your best work and by doing yeah. that, everything is like a boomerang, comes straight, come straight back to you. Um, Austin was talking about it last in the last episode um, about like, you know, that scarcity mentality where you kind of uh, – you're comparing yourself to everyone or you think there's not enough to go around when, and then when you drop yeah. that, you know, then all these opportunities open up and everything starts pouring in. And Absolutely. And that's a big thing. Like people ask me all the time, um, 
because my, like I've been hosting workshops so consistently, they're like, aren't you afraid that like these people are going to take your business? I'm like, no, <laughs> like, I, even if they all, like if every single one of my, my customers who come in and, and want to learn to make hats becomes a successful hat maker, there are so many heads in this world that, that need hats. And there's, everyone's going to have like such a unique take on their style and, and whatever they're doing that even if they were like trying to knock my brand off. I don't think you successfully can like because no one's going to be able to mimic you to a T. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe there's like a pro in the world that could, but <laughs> I would say for the most part, the people who are going to try to knock you off are not going to. Um, and if you have like confidence in your work and, and you love it, like that's going to show through your work and, and no one's going to be able to take that from you. So yeah. just, that's always my, my advice to like younger hat makers that, I say younger, like they're younger than me. They're usually not. <laughs> like beginning hat makers <laughs> who are coming to me and like and, and ask me about that kind of stuff. It's like you just have to like have that confidence and you're gonna find your own style. And like you're not gonna ever be someone else. So like don't try to be. Like you're gonna be you and that's what the world needs. Like no one needs another so-and-so because that so-and-so already exists. Yeah. Like be you, like be your genuine like full hearted self. And that's, what's going to shine through. And that's what like people are going to love. So like, don't try to be anyone but you. Yeah. How, how do you, how did you come to that place to, to be able to, um, to trust yourself and trust your intuition and trust your creativity and, and uh, be able to express that? You know, it's something I still kind of struggle with that. Like I'm, I found over the years, I am, excellent at encouraging other people <laughs> like that i feel like maybe that's been like my purpose in the world is to like encourage and empower others um because i still like struggle with that self-doubt all the time um and i think that comes from also like i'm always like the way i work i'm like always looking for like the next thing of like to be better at like how do i um get better at silversmithing? How do I get better at this? And it's like, I make like a little achievement and I'm like, okay, that's cool. But like, I could fix it in this, this, and this way. <laughs> like I'm always striving to, to better my, myself in, in my crafts. Um, which I don't know if, if that's totally healthy, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it definitely like in hindsight, I'm able to look back on like years past and be like, wow, I'm really like proud of what I've done. I, I love the way that my style has evolved. Um, but like, I, that's still something that I'm like, Oh, I don't know. Like I'm not always confident in, in my work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever, um, feel like really proud of your work and then look back on it and not be so proud of it or vice versa, like put things out that you're not happy with. And then later you look back and go, Oh, it wasn't too bad definitely both um like I can like I can scroll back to the beginning of my Instagram which isn't that far down <laughs> like I don't post very often <laughs> and so like going back down to like my first hats I'm like oh man like some of them I'm like yeah like that was that was a solid hat and some I'm like what was I doing like what I think I those are the ones where I was like trying to follow a trend I was trying to like 
do something that wasn't really me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, that was a fail. <laughs> um, and, and, but I also like, I, I do that with almost all of my work. Like I'll put, sometimes I can be a perfectionist and I'm like, it's just time to like put this out in the world mm-hmm. and like not think about it anymore. <laughs> like whether it's good or bad, like who knows, but like, you just have to let it go and move on and move on to the next. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've often found that the things that I really like, I put out and get very little response and the things that I really don't like get the best response. So I've got no idea what works. Yeah. Especially on Instagram. Like I will put like a reel out that I'm like so proud of. And I'm like, I love this hat. I like spent hours editing this thing. Like I think it's amazing. And it'll get like 22 likes. (laughs) And then I'll do like a lit thinking thing where I'm just like mimicking a stupid like cartoon character saying something silly and it gets like 300 likes. So I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> who is out there looking at this stuff? Yeah. yeah like, who? do I know my followers? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, do you have a favorite hat that you've made? I would say that the hat that I'm wearing um, might be my favorite, but that's more like for sentimental reasons because it was my husband's. Mm-hmm. Um, but gosh. I feel like it, it goes through, like, if I make it, then I'm like, ooh, I love this one. And then I'll make the next one. I'm like, ooh, I love this one. <laughs> <laughs> so but I did just do one where um, she had me put her, um, what's it called? Like the constellation of her birth. Star sign. Year. Yeah, her star sign. Yeah. I'm so bad with this stuff. <laughs> I'm, like, not trying to be in the slightest, guys. Like, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were a boho hippie that would know all these things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, like, I can't call myself that because it's not true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I did her little like tourist side and it, I loved it. I was like, this is so like simple, but I don't know. It was, it's my favorite hat right now. <laughs> yeah. And do you have a preference between um, doing like a custom hat for somebody or like a, a ready to wear one that's come out of just your own imagination? So I, like, I would love to do just more ready to wear where it's like, I can just be creative and do everything that I want to do. Um, but I don't know if I have a preference. Like I do love being able to bring my, my customers ideas to life. Mm-hmm. Um, there until you get in like the, that phase where like when, like Yellowstone came out, everyone just wanted the same cowboy hat. And I was just like, <laughs> like I'm tired of <laughs> just making like, and it's, I mean, there's definitely something beautiful and just like clean cut, simple, like well-fitted Western hat. Mm-hmm. But when you just made 10 in a row and like none of them want any customization, they're like, just give me this hat. They send you the same picture. And I'm like, <laughs> like, <laughs> Nothing. You don't want like a custom pin. You don't want like me to engrave something. You don't want anything special. And they're like, nope. <laughs> so in those streaks, I I would much prefer being able to do my own. Like, just let me make you a really cool hat. Um, but for the most part, my customers have really cool ideas, and and I I do like 
being able to get to know someone and they'll give me like their kind of like checklist of things they want included and be able to really like consider them and, and tailor a hat to them. Um, I think there's something really special about that. Yeah. It's nice to have a reason to make a hat sometimes and to have some little boundaries that kind of uh, yeah. force your creativity. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you had to make like a hat right now, like if you could make your dream hat, right now like what what would it look like and what would it have on it oh man that's a tough one like I for me it's so funny because all of my personal hats it's like I have the natural I have a bone and then I have like a chestnut brown (laughs) like all of my hats are like very neutral um and so I've actually been dreaming of like making myself like a color hat Um, and I don't know what that is. Like I've dabbled, like, do I want a willow hat? Do I want a pink hat? Do I, but I just, I don't know if I'm personally adventurous enough to pull off a pink hat. (laughs) That's right. I think I saw you post a poll on that a little while back. Yeah. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out because that was going to be for myself, Uh but I still like didn't do it. Like, and everyone picked the pink, like a hundred percent of people who voted were like, make yourself a pink hat. And I have it pulled. It's like sitting over here in the corner. Like I pulled it to my size and I've done nothing with it. Cause I'm like, Oh, but I can't waste this felt on myself. <laughs> like what if one of my customers wants a pink hat and I'm only down to my last two pink felts. So. <laughs> so I, and that's another thing. Like I, people always assume that I have like this massive hat wall mm. and I'm like, I have like four hats (laughs) and they're all very simple. Like none of my personal hats like have any like distressing or anything like that. It's like, they're very like clean and simple because I want to have them the rest of my life. And I want my kids to have them and I want them to be able to wear it with whatever. (laughs) And so I'm actually quite boring. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit the same, very, uh, (laughs) stripped back and minimal when it comes to hats. Like this, yeah. is, this is the most uh, flamboyant hat that I've got. It's got a bit of brim binding and a, and a ribbon. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, right, you're like, I went, oh. yeah. so like a pink hat perhaps. And then uh, what, what would you put around it or what would you put on it? Anything in particular? I would probably, so I would probably most likely make it a Gus mm-hmm. just because I want another Gus hat. Um, but then like I've I've debated like do I want yeah to to make it like a shorter flange brim? Do I want the, to keep it wider and maybe do a pencil curl? Um and then I have been envisioning like I actually have stones set aside because I want to make myself like a solid um like sterling silver band with turquoise set all the way around. Well I wanted to like interchange turquoise and opal right. all the way around the the band. And I have all the stones. <laughs> <laughs> and I have the silver and I have the felt, but like, I can't bring myself to make it for myself. <laughs> oh, what are you waiting for? You've got to do it. It's a must. I know. Yeah. I know. Now that, I'm, now that I've told it to someone, I'm like, I better do it. <laughs> so a pink Gus hat with a sterling silver band with turquoise and opals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be my, my ultimate, like over the top, like this is going to be my show hat, yeah. <laughs> um, but who knows when I'll ever make it. I think you have to do it before Christmas. 
get it done. Right. I'm like, okay, yeah. I, I've told it to the world. This is going to broadcast. And then people are going to be like a year later, like whatever happened yeah. to that pink cat? Yes. You, you've got to do it. You already put the poll out on your stories. <laughs> the color's been picked. You've got the stones. It's a, maybe a Christmas right. gift to yourself. Yeah. Right. I yeah. know. That's why I've got all the kids stuff. I got to do it for me now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so along your journey, like you've um, obviously, you know, been following some hat makers. Who who are some of those that you um, look up to or whose work that you that you like? Yeah, I feel like there are so many like incredible hat makers. Um, you know, when I first started, I think everyone went back, you know, in 2018, like the first person who kind of pops up is like Nick Fouquet. Um yeah. And I actually ended up, like, I didn't follow him. Like, I, I like purposely was like, I don't really want to follow this guy. Not then anything personal against him, but I was like, I, that's not the direction I want to go. So I'm just going to not, but I thought all of this stuff was really cool. Um, and then I actually found you pretty shortly after that. And you were one of like the first hat makers actually you probably don't remember this at all. Um, <laughs> but I like had posted something and I was asking people like, I don't know, do you like, do you like this style or should I change this? And you responded and you're like, no, I like it just how it is. You should just leave it. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, this legit hat maker told me that he likes this style. <laughs> like, it was very validating. So thank you. Uh, um, <laughs> I've probably been making hats for about four months or something like that. You know. <laughs> And so, so like, yeah, I, I like in the beginning and still like, I, I love your work. So you've always been a person, um, that, that has always stuck out to me and I've been inspired by, um, I have connected with Christy from seeing cat company over the years, over different things. And, you know, I, our work is, has some similarities, but like very different. And I just, I, I respect her so much as a maker and, and love just like the, the pure, like grit behind her work. Um, like I, I admire that about her, um, recently over the past year connected with, with Austin from Zito. Um, he's a really rad guy. Uh, we've had like the pleasure of, uh, like, just like talking shop, like <laughs> figuring out like different things, um, like behind the scenes type stuff with being in a retail space and, and how to display stuff and how to, you know, figure out different things. Um, so that's been really cool to have someone like that. Um, and then actually Watson's hat shop out in Arizona, um, he was like a, a pivotal part in my, in like my learning, um, cause he has all these YouTube videos. <laughs> and so with Grizz and him, like they, they were like my two kind of main, like figure it out kind of people. And I actually got to when one of my um, husband's treatments, we were out, um, at the Mayo clinic, uh, next to them. And I, I popped into the shop and it was really cool. Cause his wife like recognized me right off the bat. <laughs> so that was like a cool moment of like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to like meet this this maker that like I really admire and like have learned so much from and he doesn't know that I've learned from him mm -hmm. um but I wanted to introduce myself and I walked in the shop and she's like is your name Jesse and I was like <laughs> yes <laughs> and so that was a really cool experience but um they've always been really supportive um via online and everything um 
but yeah, there's, there's just so many incredible makers out there that like I, and I think I'm kind of similar to, to a lot of other hat makers and I try not to follow too many hat makers, not because I like, don't like them, but just because I don't want to accidentally like draw too much inspiration from them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty amazing how many hat makers are out there and, uh, yeah. we're all putting out different things and, or, and very similar things. And, um, mm-hmm. it, yeah. The, and like you said, you know, you, you follow uh, Watson's and everyone kind of knows each other, but there's not always that interaction with each other, but there's definitely a lot of mutual respect going around. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I don't know that I've ever, besides that first year of people like kind of like, oh, like we don't, you don't want to bother with this kind of deal. Like I've never encountered like a negative hat maker um, beyond the, yeah. that one. <laughs> beyond the first few when you're starting out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you stick it out for a little while, people kind of, you know, I think in the beginning yeah. there was a lot of people that were, yeah, kind of maybe coming from that scarcity mindset and seeing a whole bunch of people coming along and, you know, also maybe um, people that weren't making hats to to the old school standard coming along and, you know, getting really yeah. popular and there was probably mm-hmm. a, little, a little bit of uh, resentment there. Yeah. But yeah. I think, yeah. And for me it's like I'm not even like – I wouldn't consider myself too trendy, but I think I am like very trendy compared to like old school like hat makers. They're probably like, what is she doing to that hat? <laughs> yeah, we're all uh, destroying them in some way or another. Yeah. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um, so which person, past or present, would you like to make a hat for? Ooh, oh man, okay. So this is, oh, I don't know. I've actually thought about, because people are always asking me, like, ooh, if you could make a celebrity a hat. Um, but I also, I don't keep up with celebrities. So. <laughs> but honestly, if I could, uh, I got to make a hat for someone who's like, three people separated from Joe Rogan. <laughs> and, and I was like, man, if I could get my hats like back up to him and he wanted to have, that'd be rad. He doesn't wear hats. <laughs> what would you make him if, if you could? What do you think would suit? Oh, yeah. I, I think he'd look good in something similar to what you're wearing like right now. Like I'd probably do like a nice classic like flange brim on him. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like a center dem something a little lower profile i don't know something like classic i feel like he would be a classic hat wearer yeah but like again who who knows put some ufos or some aliens on there yeah 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 Yeah, cool i just want to convince him to take me bow hunting and (laughs) hang out with him and cam haynes yeah yeah crazy yeah hard to keep up with those boys though i think I know, (laughs) (laughs) but I would try, I would try. (laughs) (laughs) And what's something that you know now, um, but wished you knew in the beginning of your hat making journey? Ooh, gosh. Um, I wish, I don't know if it's so much like an actual skill, 
Um, but just like having the confidence in your abilities, just like feeling like, okay, like I might not be the best, but like I'm enough. Um, I think that would have helped me tremendously in the beginning. Um, also had a properly line I had. <laughs> that, that would have been nice too. Like it took me so long to figure out the sweatband. Like <laughs> and something if I could go back to like day one and be like, this is this is how you line a hat, like yeah, it would have saved me so much time and like finger pain and <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I got those calluses on the on the fingertips for sure. Yes. Yeah. When I'm teaching workshops, I, I give people symbols and everything because I, I'm showing them how to do it all by hand. And they're like, how do you? And I'll show them and I'm just doing it. And they're like, how are you doing that? Like with no symbols. I'm like, I just, do you want to feel this perfectly yeah. placed callus? <laughs> <laughs> You've got a pad like the paw of a dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't have pretty hands. Like I have working hands. <laughs> um, and what's a little bit of advice that you might give someone who's um, getting started out in hat making or who, who wants to get started? So I, I always tell everyone who comes to me and they're like wanting to get into hat making is like, don't expect to be an overnight success. Like that this is not like a trade or an industry that's going to be like a get rich quick scheme. Um, like if I was in it for the money, I'd be doing something different. <laughs> um, it's you have to like love what you're doing. Um, so just like, you're gonna go, like if I could go back and tell myself something I'm going back to that, it's like when you hit those hard times, like know that if you love it and you believe in it, like and you're gonna push through it. If you just keep going, like you're gonna be better on the other side. Um, like, and that's for, I think so many things in life, but especially in, in your skills as a maker, um, like when you start doubting yourself, like, Maybe you just need to like step away for a day, like take a nap. <laughs> like sometimes it's just you're in your own head, you know, like you're, you're working yourself up and things aren't as bad as you think. Like when you think that the piece that you're working on is garbage, like it probably isn't. I mean, it might be, but, <laughs> but for the most part, it probably is not. Um, so just like, yeah, be able to give yourself that space um, to like take a breather and, and come back to it when you're not frustrated, when you're not overwhelmed by something. Um, yeah, just like persevere, because if if you love this, if you love hat making, like you're gonna be great. Like I, I truly believe that anyone who has the desire to become a hat maker can. Um, like I don't think there's anything that we do that's like so crazy hard that like only one percent of people in the world can do it. Um, if you have that desire to learn how to do it properly and you, you want to put the work in and, and you're willing to, to, you know, make pennies on the hours that first day, you know, like that's, then you will, you'll, you'll become a great hat maker. Um, yeah, don't, don't focus on the money, just keep pushing. <laughs> yeah, beautiful advice. So, so what's in the future for the Grey Collective and, and oh man, gosh, this, so this year was like a really like pivotal year for me, um, in the business. And so next year I have lots of plans. I don't know how many will actually like 
be executed. <laughs> I feel like I always have a million things that I want to achieve. And if I achieve two of them, that's great. Um, but I am in the midst of actually like in two days, I have a meeting um, with a new uh, brain tumor research facility that just relocated here to Albuquerque. Mm -hmm. And so I have a meeting with them on how I can partner with them to start doing like larger scale fundraising through Gray Collective um, for their research lab. So that's like my main thing this year is I would really love um, to start doing like more fundraising because as of right now, um, like I donate a portion of, of my profits um, and that's not always a lot, you know. Um, so I would like to start like doing events and like retreats, um, like large scale fundraising. Um, so that's kind of a goal. Um, and, but then also um, trying to figure out like within the business, uh, like I kind of want to see if I can push like a like semi-custom program here in the shop. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also at a point where I realize that there's only so much I can do with my own two hands. Um, so if I want it to grow, I need to either figure out, am I content with, with it just being me? Or, or do I want this to grow in a way that I need to start bringing people on? Um, and so like the idea, I've had four people reach out this year um, wanting to apprentice with me. And I, at the time, just felt like I wasn't ready in the sense that I, I didn't want to bring them on and not be able to give them my all and like the attention and um, yeah, just the time that they deserve as an apprentice. And now I'm thinking maybe, maybe I'm ready for that. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm still like on the fence with it. Like I would love, cause I love teaching people. So I think that's the natural progression of it. Um, and if I want business to grow, being able to bring people in under me, but also that sense of like, well, maybe this is like enough for me. Like maybe my little heart is full with it just being this. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, a, I have all these decisions to make in 2024, but who knows? <laughs> How exciting. You might need a new hat to, uh, to help make those decisions. Yep, I know. Maybe the pink hat's going to be the one. Yeah, the thinking hat. Yes. Yeah, that's um, a really beautiful place to be. And I think, um, you know, yeah, you've got such a big heart and, and to give so much and to share so much, especially with the charity work that you're doing and um, the cause and the meaning behind that. I think that's really beautiful. And also, yeah, to expand a little bit and to maybe bring on or bring in somebody into the into the hat making family. Um, I was talking to Austin, and and he went through that about a year and a half ago, two years ago, and uh, he, you know, I think we all would like to do it in some way, and all have these little doubts. But I think he said that um, once he did it, really just everything just opened up a lot more for him once he made the decision. Yeah, and that's what there's always that thought like okay. Like, I should just go for it. Like, it's going to, you know, if you build it, they will come. Absolutely. <laughs> kind of kind of mindset. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm, I'm leaning. But, well, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, good for you. And, um, yeah, it's always really exciting to see what you do. 
Is there anything else that you'd like to uh, share or some final thoughts that you'd like to, to leave with us? I don't know. I feel like we covered so much. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that's it. And I just I want to thank you for like thinking of me for this. Like I, when you reached out, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like how cool! I've been listening, and I I don't know why I didn't expect to be on it. <laughs> I was just like, this is such a cool podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that you're listening. So, I'm really grateful that you uh, accepted the invitation. Yes, yes, of course. And so if people want to find your work and see where you're at and what you're doing, where can they uh, discover you? So I'm primarily on Instagram at Grey Collective Hats, um, but I do have a standalone website, which is just like graycollectivehats.com. I'm pretty basic. Um, There used to be a Facebook page. I kind of, it got hacked and then I tried to relaunch it and now it's just kind of there. <laughs> it doesn't do much. Um, so, if, but if you're on Facebook, it is there. Um, but yeah, primarily Instagram. And then if you're looking for workshop information, my website. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us and um, looking forward to seeing what the future holds for you. All right. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode with Jesse Lloyd. You can check out Jesse's work at greycollectivehats.com and greycollectivehats on Instagram. This is going to be the last show of the year, and I just want to thank you guys for coming along for the ride. I hope you've all been getting something out of it, been connecting with more hatters, and that you're taking your hat making to the next level. we got 17 shows in for the first season of the podcast, and we'll be coming back strong next year with a whole bunch more great guests for season number two. I want to thank all our guests for sharing their stories and, of course, all of the great hat-making tips along the way. And thanks to our sponsor, Hatblocks Australia, for supporting the show. You can find them at hatblocksaustralia.com.au. Wishing you all a great festive season and a very happy new year. My name is Jack. You can find me at Creatures of the Wild Unknown. Looking forward to catching you all again next year. And until then, keep on hatting. Yeah, baby.